Welcome back, everyone, to Life and Lit. We are on episode 25 already. I say this every episode, but I can't believe it. It's been almost six months at this point. And this week, we're going to continue the theme of page to screen with another Jane Austen classic. Back in March for my birthday episode, we covered Jane Austen as a whole with a focus on Pride and Prejudice because that's our favorite. But Netflix actually recently released their adaptation of Persuasion by Jane Austen. So we decided to do another Jane Austen episode, but this time focusing on Persuasion and comparing it to the new adaptation, which I'm excited to dive into. But until then, I'm Paige. And I'm Sydney. And this is Life and Lit. Okay, so Persuasion by Jane Austen. I'm surprised that it took us this long to do another Jane Austen. I know. Since we both love her. Yeah, this won't be the last. No, I feel like I see memes all over Bookstagram and Talk about Jane Austen that we like send back and forth to each other. All the time. All the time. She's a queen. She is like the OG literary queen. Yes, and I have to say, I think Persuasion is probably my second favorite, like, novel by her. I would agree. It's very, like, I liked the characters. I love Anne as a main character. Yes, and it's so different than Pride and Prejudice. That's what, like, she can come up with such original love stories for that time. Yes, They don't feel like a copy or a remake of another. Yes. And there's like some themes that carry through like family dynamics, but they're still so different. Yes. Between each novel that it's really fun to see like what her next spin is going to be. Yes. The family in this one is just wild. Yeah. That's (laughs) putting it mildly. (laughs) And each love story is unique. I love that too. Like, you know, of course, Darcy and Elizabeth, the OG couple, but Anne and Wentworth have their own little special place in my heart. Definitely. Well, some fun facts about this book. Um, This was one of the last of her published novels. It was published the same time as I think... um, Northanger Abbey they were like released together but they were both published after her death and so she didn't get to see the success of this which is kind of a bummer yeah um but I'm glad that it was found and published and I read online that the character of Wentworth is loosely based on one of her brothers oh who was a navy captain and you know had a wife and kind of mimicked some storylines that her brother had had so I thought that that was kind of cool and that her brother was actually the one that came up with the name persuasion because it was published after her death and she didn't have like a concrete title on it and so he was the one that labeled it persuasion and oh gave I love it that, that. Name. yeah which I thought was cool it's a great and title very fitting it is it definitely fits well, which I think most of her titles do. 
like yes. they give good hints about what's in the novel but yeah persuasion definitely fits the bill several times on the wikipedia page there was like radio adaptations where they did like live radio readings of it which i think is cool oh wow that is cool and then it had been adapted to the theater and then of course film and tv shows which we're going to be discussing the netflix adaptation that just came out like three days ago two days ago yeah we are on it this time (laughs) I know we're like we're hip we're in with the times (laughs) (laughs) if you're not familiar with the story of persuasion I've come up with a quick little summary and then afterwards we're gonna do of course the spoiler alert you can go read it watch it yourself and come back to hear our thoughts or you can listen to the episode in its entirety but this is persuasion by Jane Austen Persuasion follows Anne Elliot, daughter of snobbish, spendthrift, and early widowed Sir Walter Elliot of Kellynch Hall. She is a woman of quiet charm and deep feelings. At 19, she fell in love with lowly naval officer Captain Wentworth. Due to his lack of fortune, Anne was persuaded to give him up. Now, at 27, Anne is startled to learn that Captain Wentworth has returned to town, now a rich man and still unwed. Her feelings haven't changed, but she can't help but feel that he has moved on. What happens as Anne and Wentworth are thrown together in the social whirl of Bath is a touching and witty story of love and second chances. It's a perfect summary because it is about like second chances and getting, getting your true self back or following your heart, I guess, would be a good way to put it. So yes. I love that. Yes, and how Anne was persuaded to, you know, give up something that she wanted and that she loved in, you know, what somebody else saw as, you know, her best interest. So I'm excited to dive into this. I think it's one of Jane Austen's funnier novels. Oh, yeah. As far as, like, that time period can be funny. (laughs) Yes, and they definitely translated that over into the adaptation oh, very well, I absolutely. think. It it was kind of weird as far as like an Austin adaptation goes, but it was modern. I was like more more modern, it. I guess. Yes. Not at all what I expected. But if you watch the trailer, it has it starts Dakota Johnson and mm-hmm. If you watch the trailer, like, they already hint at that sort of tone. It's not like the Pride and Prejudice, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, and really any of the Jane Austen adaptations that I have personally watched. And I think you have to go... I didn't even watch the trailer. Like... Oh, really? No, I just knew we were doing it. Like, I knew it was coming out. And You're like, I'm going to watch it. I don't need to watch the trailer. Yeah, exactly. I was like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Either way, so I was kind of surprised because I, I definitely was in my mind. I mean, I always have the 2005 P&P, like, that's oh, yeah. the pedestal. That's the <laughs> It will that's never be reached, right? Right. So I always have that in the back of my mind as, like, a comparison force. And so this was nothing – I won't say nothing like that, but it wasn't like that as what I was expecting. Right. I think I sent you – I was, like, Snapchatting as I was watching it. Yes, because somebody had two glasses of wine before, but (laughs) (laughs) 
I I think I sent you a snap that was like, if you think I will be comparing this to the 2005 PNP, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> because yes, I did. absolutely. I went into it with that mindset, but then I would say probably 20 minutes in, I was like, all right, no comparisons because they are, I thought they were just completely different. I was like, there's no way you can really compare the two fairly because it was not yes, your run-of-the-mill traditional. Yeah. Yeah, the styles are so different of like, the filming style and just the way they moved the plot along, I guess, which at first I didn't, yes. I, I didn't love, but then it kind of, it grew on me. Yeah. You texted me. I was like, so how are you liking persuasion? And you're like, it's interesting or like something like that. And I was like, yeah, just, just give it, give it time. So let's just, dive right into the plot I think the two start off very similarly you know you're introduced to all the characters and Elliot of course is our heroine our protagonist she is quiet charming Um, she's the middle child of three daughters of Sir Walter Elliot of Kellynch Hall so they have a title they they're a family of status unlike you know, Elizabeth Bennett and the Bennett. I can't, I have to stop making comparisons now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just so hard. It, it's really hard, but they're a family of, you know, title mm-hmm. and money. But her father, Sir Walter Elliot, is a very vain, narcissistic person and he just loves to spend money. And the eldest daughter, I think, is Elizabeth. Yes. Which there's a lot of repeat names between all her books. and it's- Right, which it gets confusing sometimes, but then I also think it's just like the time period when yeah. everyone pretty much used the same names for men and women. Like there was a million Johns running around. Right, Mary, Elizabeth, Elizabeth yeah. Jane. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Elizabeth is the eldest daughter and she is unmarried, but she, you know, is the beautiful one that takes after her father. They both love themselves and they love to look at their reflections essentially. Yeah. <laughs> which they really played into in the movie. Which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, I didn't like well, I didn't like the father really. And then I don't Elizabeth think you're supposed just, to. <laughs> well, I know, but I don't know. I guess the other sister, Mary, the younger one, at least was kind of funny. So she was like kind of endearing, but I don't know. I did not like Elizabeth in this. Oh no! In the film, she was like a brat for oh, sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They really. I feel like they took. I don't know, for the movie adaptation, they took the base or like the foundation of the character and then just made them ridiculous. Yeah, which was great. That. It was very entertaining and amusing for me personally. <laughs> I was laughing out loud on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, somebody had two glasses of wine, which I highly recommend for watching this movie. It just enhances the experience. But um, yeah, she's the eldest daughter, very narcissistic, like their father. And then there's Anne, the middle child. And (laughs) I... I don't like they make her sound so plain, which I think Dakota Johnson is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they always do that. You know, they 
there's the protagonist in Jane Austen's novels are always quote unquote plain, but then they have these gorgeous actresses playing them. You know, Kira Knightley, Dakota Johnson, Kate Winslet, and Sense and Sensibility. Like, um, but she's just kind of she's a typical middle child. She's looked over. (laughs) She does the most. She helps most. She's the most sensible of the three, in my opinion. Oh, for sure. And it said at nineteen she was like very beautiful, but at twenty seven. She had, what'd she say, like, lost her bloom or something? I don't like that. (laughs) I know. I was like, as a 28-year-old, I take that personally. (laughs) Yeah. I thought it was funny. I was reading something. I don't know if it was, like, the back of the book summary or something online. But they were basically saying that the novel and the film take place during her second bloom. And I was like, okay, (laughs) that's an interesting way to put it. But I I guess at least she has a second bloom. (laughs) I will now be referring to this phase in my life as my second bloom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and finally, the third and youngest daughter is Mary, who you mentioned was, she's a character. And the movie, yeah. obviously in the book she's too, but again, they just really played up those character traits of hers in the movie. She is the youngest, but she was the first to be married, which is very rare. Mm-hmm. And... She has children with, um, you know, her husband has a title, I believe. And he also, you know, she married well, essentially. But she's also, you know, supposed to be beautiful, which they all are (laughs) in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, they did a good job. Yes. Yes. I still, it was hard for me to think of. Dakota Johnson is anyone other than the Fifty Shades girl. Like, see, I never saw any of those movies, so it didn't. I think I only saw one, but it but it would be hard. Like, that's what I know her as, and so I was just like, I, I can't not see it, and we're in a totally different storyline and timeline. Yeah, no, I did have that thought in the middle of the movie, like watching the movie. Because I feel like her acting style and her acting chops just like really played to her strengths in this to where she could show her range. Because I thought that like in the middle of the movie, I was like, huh, she like started out and like really made a name for herself in Fifty Shades and look at her now. Like, mm-hmm. and now playing, you know, the protagonist in Persuasion, which is a complete, you know, 180. So, I t- yeah, I totally understand. And I, I think, I would like to think maybe she's trying to break free of that stereotype yeah, of I her. Feel like, and that, like, I feel bad thinking that because I'm like, she probably gets pigeonholed so much yes. into that. So I felt bad even thinking it. But she did, I mean, she did a good job. So. Oh, yeah. She was wonderful. And so, of course, because Sir Walter, so Sir Walter is widowed. His wife and their mother died, I think, when they were young. Mm -hmm. And they were essentially raised by him and their mother's best friend, Lady Russell. Mm -hmm. And Lady Russell is, you know, Anne's her favorite. So Anne is her father's least favorite. (laughs) But Lady Russell's favorite. And, you know, she really holds Lady Russell in high esteem. She really regards her and takes her advice on pretty much everything. And she's actually the one that persuaded her at 19 to not marry Captain Wentworth, who she was 
you know, madly in love with because, again, he had no fortune. And that was the name of the game back right. then. And I'm, like, for some now, I'm not I'm not saying that <laughs> mindset is completely <laughs> gone. <laughs> yeah, we – you still want to level up, I guess, most people. Yeah. <laughs> Guilty. But she's the one that persuaded Anne – to give him up and because Anne regarded her so highly she you know followed her advice because she was engaged to Wentworth and she broke off the engagement so those are I would say that's a good starting point a good little backstory on everyone mm-hmm. oh except the heir so because he only had three daughters this is all in quotations and very sarcastic by the way if you didn't catch that mm-hmm. of course the, there has to be a male heir. So their cousin, who I think is also also Walter Elliot, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. This is where it confused me when I read the book the first time as like a 14-year-old. I was like, wait, what? Um, he is to become you know heir to the estate. And at one point he courted Elizabeth, the eldest daughter, but then he like ran off and married an American just to spite them. Yes. But his wife, now he is also a, widow, a widower because his American wife died at a young age and now he's single again and kind of back on Elizabeth's radar. Which is gross. Very gross. Your cousin. Like, yeah. Your, that's... But I mean, sorry if we have any listeners from the UK. This is not a direct insult, but the higher families which I'm sure we don't have any royalty listening. So I'm just going to say <laughs> so it. So it's okay. So we can offend whoever we want. Right. <laughs> the, uh, the family ties are a little too strong. Yeah. I'm going to put it that way. Um, but it was not uncommon to marry your first cousin back then, which disturbing. <laughs> yes. Ugh. As you say, it gives me the ick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So that is where, let's say, the plot really, like, starts to move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, it starts when um, Sir Walter Elliot basically has lost all of their money. Yes. Because he's overspent. And in the movie, they show debt collectors coming and just carting all of their stuff out of the house right in front of them. And so they're trying to figure out what to do. And they decide that they need to downsize i think lady russell kind of helps them formulate this plan of how to get out of this hole that they're in so they decide to rent their home to a couple and then they're gonna move to like a smaller home or their country home Um, yes in bath yes and so the people that they rent to is the Croft family, and Mrs. Croft is the sister of Captain Wentworth, right? Yes. 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 I can't remember if it was she was the one related to him or her husband was, but it was her. It was her. And so that's kind of how he gets reintroduced back into their lives and what starts the whole plot line of yeah. he and Anne, like, reconnecting or being around each other. Because they haven't seen each other in the seven years that 
since she broke off the engagement. Yes. And I, I'm just giggling thinking of like the movie. I just watched it two days ago, but it's like replaying in my mind as you're talking about the plot. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Jane Austen starts off her novel with the backstory of all the characters, which we just gave you a brief summary of. But in <laughs> the movie, it starts off with her talking about how she broke off her engagement with Wentworth. And she's like, I'm thriving. I'm fine. And it shows her like drinking wine straight from the bottle and crying <laughs> in the bathtub. Yeah. Face down on her bed. And she was like, I said, thriving. And that is when I was like, all right, all preconceived notions of this adaptation out the window because this is amazing. <laughs> yes, it definitely had a different tone. Yes. I think it's definitely very much geared to introducing a new generation to Austin. Yes. And making it a little more viewer friendly rather. I mean, we love our period pieces. I will always love them, but introducing them now to, you know, the younger generations to get them on board. And I thought it was a great way to do that because Mm -hmm. now you know, it's going to be very different, but they might be more inclined to go back and watch some of the previous adaptations of her other works. So Elizabeth and Sir Walter go to the house in Bath and Anne is called to her younger sister's home because she is not feeling well and she wants company. And so Anne goes to sit with her for a little bit and her sister is now a Musgrove who it's their like her husband and their extended family and the Crofts are good friends with them. So that's kind of how this starts to join together. Um, but her sister, Mary, I'm, I listened to this book on audible cause it was free on audible. So I downloaded it and was listening and, she was such an annoying character to listen to. I'm sure. And even in the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, shut this lady up. But she does bring some comedic relief. Yes. The actor so like, did a great oh, job. She did. I was like, okay, I get it now because she is being funny and quippy, but she's also like very dramatic and a diva. She's the youngest. And, yeah. She was yes. obviously not mature enough to be married and have kids but they didn't consider things like that back then. no yeah that didn't matter which so another fun fact i guess which we discovered later is that mary's husband originally pursued elizabeth or no originally pursued anne yes and she turned him down and i was just like that's kind of icky yeah and the sister didn't seem to care like she was one that's like yeah he asked Anne out first and she said no so then he came to me and I was like and you're fine with that I would not like that (laughs) are you sure you're good okay Mm -hmm. maybe I'm just you know too quick to carry a grudge (laughs) yeah for real but maybe that was more common back then because like no one seemed to think anything of it I'm sure but like you said, they all kind of come together at Upper Cross at the Great House for dinner. And mm-hmm. in the movie, at least, one of Mary's sons hurts his arm. And they're all supposed to be going to this dinner. And Charles, her husband, is like, oh, you know, Mary, it looks like you're going to have to stay with him since he's, you know, in pain. He's sick. He needs his mother. And she's like, 
why is it always the mother who has to sacrifice? And she's like, does nobody ever think of me and what I want? And just goes on and on complaining all while like making aggressive eye contact with Anne. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Anne's eventually like, do you want me to stay with him? <laughs> and she's like, oh, and yes, I'll bring, bring you back some pudding. You know, just like, oh my gosh, she's such a child. But like you said, yes. comedic relief. So in the movie... Anne does not go to the first dinner and she kind of watches from the window (laughs) and like calls his name out. Yes. She's been drinking. Yeah. She's been drinking straight from a bottle of wine, which is hilarious. And yeah, just opens the window and shouts his name, which, you know, we've all been there ladies, but (laughs) (laughs) he like looks, she didn't think anyone was going to hear her, but then they all like look up through the window and she like falls off the, little ledge that she was sitting on <laughs> like brings the wine bottle down with her and I think one of the funniest parts about the adaptation that I really appreciated was they broke the fourth wall constantly see I hated that I oh my gosh I loved it but oh I, I it reminded me I don't know I felt like it really like brought the viewer into the story but and it made Anne like her own narrator instead of like the the narrator of the book. It made Anne the narrator, yeah. and I, it reminded me of a TV series called Fleabag, which mm-hmm. I'm just gonna plug it in here. I love Fleabag. Go watch Fleabag. But she does the same thing. She'll like break the fourth wall, and, like say something to the viewer, and that was one of my favorite things. See, I didn't like that, but and it was I, just Anne. I know, but and there was some points, it. it I got more used to it, like, as I kept watching. But at first, I was like, oh, I don't like this. But because sometimes I felt like she would be, like, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the viewer. But then someone else in the scene would respond to what she said. And it was confusing me on, like, yes, she was breaking the fourth wall and talking to the viewer. But it was still within the scene. So I was like, why not just have it as normal scene dialogue? I don't know. I'm really picky about that, though. Like, sometimes I think it's good to break the fourth wall, and sometimes I'm like, absolutely not. So, Oh, no. I loved it. I just really – I don't know. I thought it made her more relatable. Like, she was talking to you, kind of like – Yeah. Little, like, friend side gossip. I don't know. I I really like that. I liked that. But after the sun recovers, and then goes to dinner with everyone the next night, and – Mr. and Mrs. Musgrove, who are Anne's sisters-in-laws, also have two grown daughters, Henrietta and Louisa. And they're, you know, very cheerful, warm people. They love Anne more than they love Mary, and Anne loves them, or gets along with them, I'd say, better than her own sisters. And they have this great, Mm -hmm. just cute little friendship. And Louisa, who's the younger of the two like starts to conspire to bring Anne and Wentworth together because she knows that they knew each other, but she doesn't know like in what capacity. So she's like conspiring to get Anne to sit next to him at dinner and everything. But then Anne is like pushing Louisa to him just kind of like as a scapegoat. I think, I don't think she meant for anything to happen between the two of them, but she was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh no, you talked to him. You did. So you didn't, you know, just like going on. And at one point, like, this is what you said when she kind of blurts out that Charles actually pursued her first. And the book, 
it's very much you just learn about it later mm-hmm. and she's very cavalier about it but in the movie they're like at dinner the first dinner with her and Wentworth and she's just drinking wine to cope with being around him again <laughs> and she just like blurts it out she's like Charles pursued me first just like out yeah. in the middle of dinner and everyone just looks at her and then she kind of looks like did I actually say that out loud yeah yeah they were like what and the daggers coming out of Mary's eyes oh my gosh mm-hmm. was, I was just rolling on the couch laughing <laughs> and they like she had to explain it I thought it was hilarious but in Anne's hurry to put Louisa between herself and Wentworth, it goes a little further than she wanted. Because Louisa, who's very young, very naive, mm-hmm. starts to get, you know, develop feelings for Wentworth. And he, in turn, flirts with her. You know, I think he's trying, he's very kind of cold and indifferent toward Anne and that's you know she's very much harboring this love but she has no idea how he feels like can you really blame him no she broke up with him yes because of status and money which like you know the pride that had to hurt his pride but yeah oh no I I am absolutely on Wentworth's side because I was like I could never if that happened to me and then I, you know, eight years later was very successful, very rich. I would absolutely want to flaunt it and throw it into that person's face. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, because I'm very mature. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Louisa starts to develop feelings for him. And he seemingly also is developing feelings for her. And so Anne has to kind of watch from the side as this little romance starts to bloom, which I feel like Louisa kind of manipulated her. Not like in a, I would not say in a purposeful way, like, or I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know, I just, I don't, I don't think it was malicious. Right. But I I think, I think she's just so immature Mm-hmm. but she was like so and like she was basically like hypothetically <laughs> right what would you think if I got together with Wentworth but then before Anne can respond she's like because if our positions were switched I would totally be happy for you and that's where the manipulation happened yeah because it's like would you really I don't think so yeah or do you just want him for yourself because she's like because he's perfect for me and I love him and I want to marry him and I was like, Louisa, slow down. It's been two days. <laughs> yeah. And so Aunt, poor Anne is just on the sidelines watching all this happen. And she's kind of like the awkward, odd wheel. Yeah. And she definitely time. plays that well, I think. Yes. Like the awkwardness and being unsure. Yeah, it was, I don't know. It was always like, that undercurrent was there because she was off by herself. Yes. Yeah, it was interesting. So, I don't. I didn't feel like that bad for her though. Which for is probably wrong. Yeah, not really. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, wow, you broke his heart. So yeah, I'm like, this is what you get, this. lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't feel that bad for her either. Um, 
Because the whole time I was like, Wentworth is just a better person than I am. Right. And I'm like, they're going to get together. Like, we all knew it. Yes. It was going to work out. Yes. So then after one of their many walks, I was thinking of that during the movie, too. It was like, all I did is just walk around. That's all you could do back That's, then. They like, just like were walking the woods. Yard games or just walked around your property. Yes, it's either pow mow or walking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which like honestly, that kind of sounds like the life because yeah, I could do stress. like a week of that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so after one of their many walks, it's decided that they are going to Lyme to visit some of Wentworth's like naval buddies. Which Lyme is just a little town on the English seaside. It's really cute. And on one of their many walks there, <laughs> they encounter, you know, a stranger who's going the opposite way and he's very bold. You know, he, I feel like everyone is very respectful, at least in their little group. And they have, you know, their manners are always at the very forefront of their character. But this guy, like, pretty much openly checks out Anne mm-hmm. and I think he, in the movie he goes I seem to be in your way I was like oh all right we got a little flirting going on yeah spicy <laughs> yeah and what she say something like well maybe you should fix that or something yeah she threw it right back at him yeah I loved that because and I mean that's very much like the modern language of this movie coming in um because that's not really how that happened in the book but then uh, Wentworth kind of like wears up with them you know and Mm -hmm. they exchange some words which didn't happen in the book um they just you know kind of went along their merry way but in this one he's kind of trying to gauge his intentions and Mm -hmm. the other guy's kind of like mind your own you know (laughs) right and he, Wentworth later, like, compares it to, I was trying to protect you and be, like, a brother. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Which he kind of was. Like, it's not really your place to jump in and help her out or save her. Like, she had it handled. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And he just felt the need, the manly need to uh, mm-hmm. step in there, I guess, and protect her. But... Which I guess is nice. Because he still loves her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just like, whatever. Um, but after that, you know, they, they're kind of just like gallivanting and walking around Lyme when they're crossing what looks like a dam, honestly. And mm-hmm. they're walking down some stairs. You know, the men are helping the women down the stairs. And Louisa who's still, like, trying to show off and is flirting with Wentworth this whole time. Like, he helps her down the stairs, and then she promptly, like, runs right back up them, and I was just like, Louisa, do this not This made me so even. mad. Of this course, made this, me so mad. And this was, like, a direct, you know, scene from the book. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, catch me, Wentworth, catch me. And I was like, honey child what are you doing (laughs) because she'd already done it once like she got halfway down the stairs and jumped into his arms and everyone kind of laughed and was like oh okay and then she goes up immediately (laughs) i also cringe i'm like this is awkward yeah then she immediately goes up to do it again and jump from the top yes and he 
she said catch me he's like no just come down the stairs i'm not going to catch you straight up told her he wasn't going to and she goes no what we catch me and she like launches herself off the stairs and then you know lands on the ground hits her head mm-hmm. and you know has that injury which we always have to have a dramatic moment and an Austin adaptation. And I mean, this was always. it. <laughs> this was Someone it has sure. to be ill at some point. <laughs> exactly. So she hits her head and has a pretty severe concussion. And they all take her back to the house. And it's decided that, you know, at first Wentworth is like, you know, Anne, you should take care of her. And um, she's like, of course, you know, of course I will. But then Mary is like, well, why should she like, I, I want to stay away from my children longer. And then Anne is actually the only one who leaves. So everyone else stays in line while mm-hmm. Anne finally goes with Lady Russell to join her father and Elizabeth, her sister, in Bath at their new home. Yeah. And then somewhere along the way, it's like Wentworth is feeling really guilty about this because he like knew that Louisa was starting to have feelings for him and he was flirting back with her and he felt like he should have shut it down. Yeah. Cause he wasn't but, developing. It was more of like out of It was spite. like a one sided yeah. fun type thing. And yeah, out of spite, like to make Anne jealous. Yes. Which seemed very unlike him, but you know. You yeah, can't but blame then him. he starts feeling guilty, like he's caused this accident and Yeah. So in the movie, Anne tries to tell him, like, it's not your fault. But then somewhere along the way, Anne hears that they're now engaged. Yes. Because he, like, feels like it's the right thing to do. Yeah. God, they all do that. <laughs> hmm Which, obviously, she doesn't love that. But at some point during this time, we also learned that the man they encountered on one of their many walks in Bath is Anne's cousin, Mr. Elliot, the heir to her father's fortune and their estate. And she also learns that he went from Lyme to Bath, where she now is with her family. And he's trying to make amends with the family because it was a great insult to them whenever he basically jilted Elizabeth and went mm-hmm. off and married the American. So he's trying to get back in their good graces, even though he's going to, you know, inherit no matter what. And he's very charming and, you know, appears to be very interested in Anne, which she's unused to, especially when her sister is around. Mm-hmm. And she seems, she's like, he's nice enough. He's well-mannered, but, you know, nothing super exciting about him. Mm-hmm. So they have these little little moments, little flirty moments. And I will say here, Mr. Elliot, the heir, is played by Henry Golding, who I love. <laughs> I absolutely love Henry Golding. Another reason when I saw this coming out, I was like, sold. You don't have to tell me anymore. <laughs> and he, I feel like he plays his character so well because he is very charming. But you're yes. also like in the back of your mind the entire time. Be, at least I was like what are your true intentions though like on the, he played like the surface character very well but you also like wondered what he was scheming the whole time yeah you definitely don't trust him like he looks 
like the smarmy kind of like smooth talker, but you wonder yes. what he's really getting at. Yes. And there's like a moment in the movie where like the two of them, they're, it's like a little get together after a dinner and the two of them are sitting on a couch together and he's talking and she's like, you know, basically what are your intentions? And mm-hmm. he's very like upfront with her and straightforward where like what exactly he said. Um, well, he was worried. Oh yeah. That yeah. Sir Walter was spending so much time with that older lady and was worried that like, if they got married and had a son, he would be cut out. Yes. Of the as heir, he wouldn't, you know, if they had a male son, he wouldn't be the heir anymore. So he was trying to, like, finagle his way back in and, like, get with one of the daughters to, yes. yeah, try to have a son and then cement that. Yeah. And, yeah, I think he pretty much tells her that. Yeah, he tells her that. And she was like, oh, that's, like, refreshingly straightforward of you to say. Yeah. And, at the, like, in the movie, she, like, breaks the fourth wall and she's like, I like that. I think <laughs> like yeah so like you can just see how unsure she is the entire time about it. like she likes the attention that he's giving her but she's also like I don't know what you're trying to do here but in the book that is a pretty big uh divergence from the book because he just straight up tells her in the movie which would never happen but in the book Anne reconnects with an old school friend Mrs. Smith mm-hmm. not even in the movie uh, but she's, she's widowed, and she's the one that Anne learns Mr. Elliot Stark passed from. How, you know, he betrayed Mrs. Smith's husband and, you know, ruined them financially. And he wants to marry Anne because he's scared that he's going to lose the baroncy if Mrs. Clay, a lot of time with, marries Sir Walter. So he, he mm-hmm. has plans to marry Anne, like you said, to prevent that but in the book lady russell who's like kind of Anne's mother figure after her mother passed away and persuaded her not to marry wentworth is trying to persuade her to marry mr Elliot, which was left out of the movie and i think i mean she there was like one brief scene in the movie where she's like he would be a good match but overall, pretty glossed over, I feel like. Yeah. This whole kind of storyline, which at the end of the movie, obviously overall I enjoyed the movie, but I was like, that was lacking for me because mm-hmm. it that little part of the storyline just seemed very sporadic and not well explained. I agree. It felt like rushed almost. Yeah. Like if you had just put five more minutes of movie in to explain that it would have been much clearer in my opinion but at some point um you know Wentworth runs in the movie he runs into Anne at like a little bakery pastry shop and she's there with Mr. Elliot and you know, she makes it out. She's like, oh, I'm here with my friend. You know, she's trying to show off to him. since he, mm-hmm. She believes that he's engaged to Louisa. She's trying to be like, look how great I'm doing. Look at this man I'm with, you know. <laughs> Which, <laughs> who among us has not? <laughs> exactly. It was, like, relatable. Um, yeah. And 
so he's kind of like, oh, you know, he's kind of shocked. And you can see the disappointment on his face, which I think the actor also of Wentworth did a very good job mm-hmm. of portraying, like, his emotions, like, his indifference. You're, but you can see that he still loves her, even though Anne doesn't see it or doesn't believe it. Um, but then they kind of have a little reunion of all the people who got together at Lyme. And somebody in the group casually mentions how Louisa is engaged to Captain Binnick, who was one of the kind of side characters in Lyme. Instead, he was the one that like ran off to get the doctor. Yeah, and he like stayed sat with her the whole side. time. Yes, and so th- the news was, you know, kind of erroneously reported to. And that was Wentworth who was engaged to Louisa when, in fact, it was Captain Bennick because they're, you know, they kind of fell in love while he was looking after her and staying with her while she recovered. Which I think it's a cute, cute little. Yes. And realizes that Wentworth is still single, basically. They're trying to figure out if Wentworth is to rejoin the Navy and she finds a letter from him where he basically confesses all of his emotions and how he still loves. That was taken. The letter was like almost word for word from the letter in the book, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. It followed really closely. So I was happy about that, but yeah, it's definitely that like great movie moment at the end Yes. Where she is like running down the street after him after she reads this letter and finds out that he still loves her and she still loves him. And so then they have this cute little moment. Well, first she runs out of the street and sees her cousin, <laughs> Elliot, yes. making out with the lady that he was trying to prevent sir walter from marrying and he kind of looks at anna he's like oh uh it's not what you think and she's like i don't care be happy (laughs) and she runs away she's just like i don't even care whatever yeah and he was like all right cool which that took me by surprise too um obviously again modern adaptation but Mm -hmm. the just the rush storyline they did it dirty i feel i feel like again Mm -hmm. just five more minutes devoted to that would have helped a lot um, but yeah, they have the cute moment where she reads out his letter and then she's running down the street and going, when, what, or Frederick, you know, she calls him by his first name now. And then they have this cute little moment and a song starts to play. I was like, oh, it's like Bridgerton. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then it kind of goes through, you know, everyone's happy ending they're at the wedding, so her cousin, Mr. Elliot, ends up marrying Mrs. Clay, who mm-hmm. I know she's a missus, but she's widowed. I don't know if we said that, but I feel like we should. <laughs> um, he ends up marrying Mrs. Clay, which I read a lot of reviews for this movie, and somebody pointed out that in the book, it's just hinted at that they get married, so that, you know, mm-hmm. he kind of takes her away from Sir Walter Elliot, but for them to show it in the movie, that is a step down for him because she's not a lady of status. So for him to like stand up in front of everybody and get married to her, 
is kind of a big deal. A big, yeah. Back then, because bef- if he had done that, in reality, it would have been like very hush hush, you know, probably not put in the papers, just like mm-hmm. very quiet wedding. So somebody pointed out that like that that was like a really big deal and a pivotal scene for them to be like for him to be standing up in front of everyone and marrying this woman. Mm-hmm. And Louisa, of course, is married or engaged to Captain Benick and then Henrietta, her sister. That she also was done dirty, but she wasn't like very a very big <laughs> character in the book because it's like there's like one scene where she's like I'm going to go visit you know Mr. Hater and mm-hmm. everyone like is like oh like her crush on Mr. Hater and then it's like revealed at the end that they're engaged and you're like alright well I yeah. forgot about you <laughs> <laughs> yeah which, they were definitely more minor characters yeah which yeah um, and then you know you have the voiceover with Anne and then it's like her and Wentworth and he's preparing her for like their life at sea because that was the big thing that she loved about the Crofts was he was a like a naval officer captain as well and she traveled with him and she's like oh like that sounds like an exciting life so now it's hinted out at the end that that's what she's going to do with Wentworth and you know you see the ring on her finger which implies that they're married and and it kind of mirrored the very beginning yes. of the film because it opens with them, like, in love the first time in yes. the tall grass, whatever. And then that's kind of how it closes out at the end. So I liked that. Yeah. I don't know. Nice little wrap up. I thought that was really cute. And, you know, the way she wrapped up everyone's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very similar to the book ending except they probably elaborate they just elaborate more in the movie especially with mr elliot and mrs clay so that's that is persuasion that is the story of persuasion it's you know not a very long book not a very long movie Mm -hmm. um a classic jane austen love story as you can probably tell from the episode i truly enjoyed the movie but with the disclaimer of don't go in expecting your typical period piece because it is not that at all. I think that was my problem with it. And I did like it like by the end it had grown on me. Yeah. There was just so many. And like I also read reviews about it, which some of them were very mixed. But then it also helped me see like what you said earlier about trying to, to introduce a new generation to Austin. I think this was a good way to do it because they modernized the language quite a yes. bit and definitely would make it more relatable if you're a young person who had never been exposed to anything Jane Austen. Yeah. Like there was one part which this was different than in in the novel and like has no contact and hears no news about Wentworth for this whole seven years. But in the film, she like finds newspaper clippings about him and she makes this like little hope chest or memory box of stuff about him and she picks up a stack of sheet music and she's like he made me this playlist and I was like what? I started (laughs) laughing so hard I thought that was genius (laughs) I was just like what the heck is happening here for the pun oh my god I thought that was so funny 
Yeah, it was you clever. <laughs> I mean, at first I was just like, wait, what? But now yeah. knowing that, that was their goal, I'm like, okay, I appreciate that. And like there was a scene in a carriage where she says something like, in London, you're a five, but in Bath, you're a 10. Yes. And that made me laugh. Yeah. And it made me think of all the, he's a 10, but. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I get, they I get what they're doing. Yeah. Definitely modernize it to appeal to the younger generation. And I, I don't know. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Do I love 2005 P&P more? Obviously. But if Nothing I want, like, will ever top that. No, but like I will watch this again. And you know, long day at work, you just want to chill and watch just like a funny, lighthearted movie. I would put this on again, one hundred percent. That's true. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. You just Overall, have to I'm... quickly adapt. Yes, and just open your mind to it. I think I I've read, like you said, a lot of mixed reviews. Well, actually, most of the reviews I saw were bad. That's what I thought. Too. Like, like, most bad. were pretty negative. <laughs> Very negative. But then reading them, it was just like everyone's butt hurt that it's not your typical Jane Austen adaptation. And I really appreciated it for what it was. It didn't try to be one. Right. Persuasion's been adapted so many times, like you said. So I was like, all right, people. Well, and the- diehard Janeites, I get it. But mm-hmm. come on, guys. And I think the Regency era things have become so more like popular with Bridgerton I was that gonna say, I can see you... like they want to distinguish and set themselves apart a little bit because you don't yeah. want to be just another one. Yeah. I'm like, if you can enjoy Bridgerton, which way more modernized and like satire than Bridgerton, mm-hmm. not on the same level, but if you don't pick apart Bridgerton for how inaccurate it is, then right. you can leave this movie alone. Like, <laughs> that, yes. If you're a diehard, like, do not swerve on your Regency love, and you know it has to all be very accurate. I get that, but yeah, I truly I recommend both book and movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen any of the other adaptations. I've looked just every now and then when I'm in the mood to watch P and P. I'm like, oh, like let's try another adaptation, but they're hardly ever on like a streaming service that I have so I haven't watched a ton of them unfortunately but I yeah I really enjoyed it yeah and the it book makes me is want to watch another persuasion adaptation to like yeah. compare how it holds up yeah and, you know how the feel is so I definitely yeah I would recommend watching it if you haven't And if this is your first experience to Jane Austen, I think it would be a refreshing one. And I hope that it does kind of draw new people into her wheelhouse. Yes. My friend Katie, shout out to Katie. She is not a period piece person, which to each their own, I disagree, (laughs) but to each their own. Wrong, but okay. Right. (laughs) But she really, she enjoyed Bridgerton. And so she's like, now I'm like rethinking, maybe I'll give that era like another try. And I was like, you should. And we were talking about this, about persuasion yesterday, because her husband's like, I heard it was bad. I was like, no, no, no. If you go in expecting a classic piece, then yeah, it probably is bad. But I looked mm-hmm. at Katie, I was like, you should start with this one. Because I think you would really enjoy just the tone of the movie and like the pace of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, she's not a period piece person. 
highly recommend this movie for her. Good. Well, you'll have to let us know if she watches it and reports back. Oh, I will. I will for sure. Cool. Well, is there anything else for Persuasion? Um, I don't think so. I mean, like we said, Wentworth is a better person for yeah. taking Anne back because, wow, I would hold a grudge. But also, like, between the two, I would take Henry Golding. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> like, is he marrying me just to keep the title? Yes. But look at that face. <laughs> but is so. it okay? Also, yes. <laughs> also, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so you funny. You could do worse in that time period of the same. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yes. And like Bridgerton, the cast is more diverse than your typical period piece. And yes, so I, which I did I enjoyed love that. that. Yes, I, I appreciate that. that a lot. So, so those are my final thoughts on persuasion i will be watching it again for the enhanced mm-hmm. experience mayhaps a glass of wine or two maybe that's what makes it i <laughs> yeah. was on the like opposite end of the spectrum where i was watching it after taking a pain pill <laughs> after my <laughs> ear surgery so i didn't even make it all the way through i fell asleep and had to re <laughs> restart it this morning so maybe that was my problem maybe yes, I need to that get is the some key. wine before I tackle it again. You just have to have a really long week, long, terrible week at work where you just want to sit in the room by yourself and drink wine and watch Persuasion. That is peak viewing experience. (laughs) (laughs) That's too funny. Well, thank you all for listening and tuning in to this episode and our page to screen adaptations. We've got one more to close out the month of July and it's one that I'm sure you have heard of. So we'll be super excited to to dive into that. You can follow along with us on Instagram at life and lit pod. That's where we post all of our episode links, the books that we're going to be doing and a lot of just book content in general. So be sure to follow us along on Instagram If you have any suggestions of books that we should cover, you can send us an email at lifeandlitpod at gmail.com or send us a DM or comment on Instagram because we love getting to interact with you guys and see what you're reading. And as always, be sure to review and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to. That will download our episode straight to your devices and it helps us get our name out there so that other people can find us. So we will be back next week with our last episode for the month of July, which is our last page to screen adaptation. That is a pretty big one. So I'm super excited to go over that next week. And I'm I'm sad it's our last page to screen. I really enjoyed this month. We know we'll have to do this again for another month because there's so many. Yeah. I mean, we've barely even touched the surface. We've stayed with pretty current ones that are just now coming out, but there's so many that we can do. So we'll have to revisit this topic in the future. For sure. So we will talk to you all next week. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.
Thank you.